the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If other minerals get mixed in with the salt, then the salt loses its flavor. Adding minerals can change the flavor. It doesn't taste like salt anymore. If we water down the gospel, if we water down the truth, if we water down the word of God, we lose our saltiness in this world. If we start adding in other things, mixing in minerals, mixing in dirt. If we start adding in the world and worldliness and carnality, we lose our flavor. As Christians, we are called to be salt to the earth, but do we truly live it out to the fullest? Our society loves to make us think that it's okay to accept certain beliefs of the world, but is it really harmless? In today's message, Pastor Dan wants you to know that you should never compromise your faith based on what the world says. No matter how harmless a compromise may seem, it will only serve to destroy you. Stay committed to God's truth and never back down from keeping others accountable. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pharisee did not know his own spiritual poverty. He thought he had something he could offer to God to make him acceptable in God's sight. And he offers up his filthy rags to God. The tax collector recognized his spiritual poverty. He recognized that there was nothing in himself that he could offer. Nothing in my hand I bring. That he's, he's, he's completely destitute. He doesn't even try to offer anything. He doesn't even try to, to say anything to justify himself in front of God. Instead, he asked for mercy. And this is what it looks like to be poor in spirit. I've got nothing. There's not, nothing I can say, nothing I can offer to God that's going to make me right in his eyes. And I just need God's mercy. I need God's forgiveness. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 5. So now, as we're, we're on this ladder... We're moving our way up the ladder, and you take someone who comes to the place that they are honest about their spiritual condition, they mourn over their spiritual condition, and they respond with meekness, no longer trusting in themselves, but trusting in God. That person's appetite will change. That person's appetite will change. That person will develop an intense hunger, a hunger uh, not for the things of this world, a hunger not for the things they once thought would satisfy them and fill them, but a hunger for an entirely new diet. They will lose their appetite for the things of the world, and instead they will hunger for righteousness. Look at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They will hunger and thirst for righteousness or rightness 
with God? What will make me right with God? What will please God? What will honor God? They will hunger and thirst for God and the things of God, hunger and thirst for fellowship with God and fellowship with the people of God, hunger and thirst for the word of God, hunger and thirst for the for the spirit of God. No longer feeding on the things they used to feed on, no longer desiring the things they used to desire. They left them empty and unsatisfied. It all changes for this person. Their desire changes, their hunger changes, their appetite changes. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 say, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. Now here you have this person as they're moving up that ladder, going through the Beatitudes. Now their desires change, their appetite changes, their diet changes, the things they long for, the things they hunger for, the things they thirst for. Look at verse 6 again. The promise is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. When a person genuinely hungers and thirsts for rightness with God, God will fill them. What a promise. And I think of what Jesus said in John chapter 7. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then we're told this he spoke concerning the spirit. Jesus invites those who are thirsty to come to him and drink. The only qualification to come to Jesus and drink is, is thirst. If you're thirsty, spiritually thirsty, you can come. And he will satisfy you. He will fill you. That's his desire. He desires to fill us. To fill us to overflowing with his spirit. Now verse 7 says. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. God fills us. He satisfies us. He fills us with himself. And then we become more like Christ. And as we do. God gives us a merciful heart. Toward others. Not a heart of anger, not a heart of bitterness, not a heart of resentment, not a heart of unforgiveness, but a heart of mercy. Mercy is is not giving someone what they deserve. And God is merciful to us. He doesn't give us what we deserve, right? He's merciful. We deserve his punishment. But instead, God loves us. He died for us. He blots out all of our sins. He forgives us. He gives us eternal life. And just as God is merciful to us, so now we extend mercy to others. We become merciful because we've we've experienced God's mercy. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, it says, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. We're now compelled to forgive others because we've experienced God's forgiveness. We're compelled to be merciful because we experience God's mercy every single day. Then he goes on. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Aren't you glad? Listen, give me your attention. Aren't you glad that this was not the first beatitude? 
Aren't you glad this is not the first rung on the ladder? This is where you start. You start out with a pure heart. You want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? You begin by having a pure heart. Anyone with a pure heart, you're welcome to become a citizen. It doesn't start there. Do you understand that there's a progression? There's an order. If it began with blessed are the pure in heart, none of us would get in. We'd all be out. And I, and I point that out to say, you can't just pull out one of the Beatitudes from the list and make it some principle to live by. As so many people often do. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. No, no you have to start with blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and blessed are the meek. You've got to work your way up to blessed are the peacemakers. You can't start with Blessed are the peacemakers or just pull that one thing out and say, "Okay, now live like this. Do this. I've got to realize my own spiritual bankruptcy first. I've got to start there. I've got to come to the place where I fully rely upon God and not myself in meekness. Otherwise, if I just pull one of those beatitudes out and take it out of context and say, "Okay, now live by this principle, it becomes a burden. It becomes a yoke around my neck. I've got to be pure of heart. I've got to be a peacemaker. And I'll try to do it in my flesh. In which dwells no good thing. And I'll fail. And I'll condemn myself. I'm such a lousy Christian. I can't even be a peacemaker. I can't even have a pure heart. You have to keep it in its proper order. So again, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So now, now God gives us a pure heart, a heart free from corruption, a heart that is undivided, a heart that is fully devoted to the Lord and set upon the things of the Lord. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And now God gives us that new heart, a heart that is pure. And a person who has a pure heart toward the Lord will have real happiness, real contentment, real fulfillment. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus came to make peace between us and God through the cross and his shed blood. And now we have this role of a peacemaker in the world. Ambassadors for Christ who have the privilege of telling others how they can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. How they can become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So you guys with me? As we're moving up the ladder. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this may come as a surprise to some of you. But the world may hate you for being righteous. The world may hate you for being righteous. The world's not going to rejoice that you're living right with God. The world will hate you for it. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Jesus said, the reason is people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So we should expect persecution from the world for living righteously. Paul said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So we should expect persecution and again, notice it's persecution for righteousness sake. We're doing the right thing in God's eyes. We're living rightly. We're being godly. 
but that invites persecution. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. People will revile us and speak evil against us and say false statements about us for being followers of Jesus Christ. Because we're Christians. But look what Jesus says in verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we're persecuted for Christ, we should rejoice because we have a great reward in heaven and we're in great company. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. For thus they persecuted the prophets. Now now watch, watch the flow here and we're almost finished. When we suffer persecution for Jesus Christ, the temptation may be to, to pull back on our Christian witness. Look what Jesus says in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He he tells us, you know, you're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. People are going to say all kinds of false things about you because you're a follower of Jesus. People are going to revile you simply because you identify identify with, with Christ. But, but here now, he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And, and listen, if you're taking notes, the Greek here, it's emphatic. Meaning, Jesus is saying, you are the only salt of the earth. You are the only light of the world. We're it. There, there is no other salt. There is no other light in the world other than Christians. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's who you are. And you're the only salt that God has put in this world. You're the only light God has put in this world. You are salt. That's your identity. You are light. That's your identity. And so often we define ourselves by what we do. I'm a student or I'm a a software engineer, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm an analyst. That's, that's what you do. What you are is salt. What you are is light. You are salt and light who happens to also be a student. 
you are salt and light who happens to also be a teacher or happens to also be an analyst or whatever it is that you do. But you are salt. You are light. Now, in the ancient world, salt was used for several different purposes. It was used to flavor food just as it is today. It was used as a preservative to keep meat from spoiling. They didn't have refrigerators. Uh, They didn't have Yeti coolers. They salted their meat. Salt was also used as an antiseptic to cleanse wounds. And here Jesus says to Christians, to you and me, who have given our lives to Christ, you are the only salt I've put in this world. We're here to flavor this world for Christ. Colossians 4, 6 says our speech is to be seasoned with salt. Whenever we speak to someone, it should be seasoned with salt. We should talk of Christ. Our presence in this world preserves this world from decay and corruption and destruction and God's judgment. And one day God will take his church to heaven in the rapture and then he will pour out his judgment. God will remove the preservative that's in this world. And we are an antiseptic to this world. Declaring the gospel, declaring the truth of God's word to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to to everyone. To have a a cleansing effect. Now, you, you you get salt in a wound and it stings, but it cleanses. It stings, but it cleanses. The gospel stings, but it cleanses people of their sins. You think of the first message that Jesus preached that we just looked at in chapter 4. Repent. That was his message to the world. You need to repent. That stings. To tell me I need to repent, that stings. But it cleanses. We're to be salt in the sense of an antiseptic in this world. Cleansing. Sterilizing. Now watch what Jesus says in verse 13. Watch it. Verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You you should underline good for nothing, thrown out and trampled underfoot. How does salt lose its flavor? Well, in the ancient world, there are two ways that salt would lose its flavor. First, if you added water to the salt and diluted the salt. Second, if other minerals get mixed in with the salt, then the salt loses its flavor. Adding minerals can change the flavor. It doesn't taste like salt anymore. If we water down the gospel, if we water down the truth, If we water down the word of God, we lose our saltiness in this world. If we start adding in other things, mixing in minerals, mixing in dirt, if we start adding in the world and worldliness and carnality, we lose our flavor. We become indistinguishable from the world. And look what happens. When the salt loses its flavor, look at verse 13 again. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. They would take old salt and dump it on the footpaths. 
to kill the vegetation. And here Jesus says, when salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. When the church loses its saltiness, the world and the culture will say it's good for nothing. It's irrelevant. It's non-essential. And the culture will throw it out. And the culture will trample on it and walk all over it. We are watching this happen in our culture and in our country. Why is it happening? Because the church has lost its saltiness. The church has lost its saltiness by watering down the gospel and watering down the truth and watering down the word of God and mixing in worldly things into the church and you know, trying to be relevant to the world, trying to be relevant to the culture. It became like the culture. And so the culture has now said, well, the church is good for nothing. We don't need the church. Do you understand? Do you, and, and this hasn't just this hasn't just happened over the last two years. This has been going on in the church for 50 years. We're seeing the fruit of it now. In the last two years. Where, where the church is non-essential now. To the culture. Where the culture says liquor stores are essential. Pot shops are essential. But churches are non-essential. Why is that? Because we've lost our saltiness. The church has the greatest influence on the world when it is most unlike the world. So stay salty. Stay salty. Don't lose your saltiness. He goes on in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Again, it's emphatic. You are the only light that God has put into this world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, again, in the days that we're living in, in our culture, I can only speak for our culture, there's a lot of pressure right now to hide the light of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of pressure to not say anything, to not share your Christian worldview or or to share the word of God at work or at school because you know you're going to get pushback. Or you know you're going to get canceled. Or you know you're going to get mocked. We're the only light. We're the only light that God has put in this world. There is no other light. If we hide our light, if we don't let our light shine, there is no other light. It's not like God says, well, I'll just use the light of the Hindus then. Or I'll use the light of the Muslims. Or I'll use the light of the secular humanists. Now, Christians are the only light. We've got to let our light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your life be a witness for Jesus Christ. Let your light shine. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. And, and even non-believers are seeing it and realizing something, something has gone horribly wrong. Let your light shine. Don't hide your light. This is the time now more than ever. God has appointed us for such a time as this. To live now, in this generation. Let your light shine 
for Jesus Christ. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time, but if you have any questions or would like to talk to us and have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab, then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website, too. If you're interested in finding additional messages from this series, you can access those at calvaryec.com as well, under the Media tab. Have you connected with a local church? If not, we encourage you to find a church family. It will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe. And you can also get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this New Testament book. Pastor Dan will help bring some things to light for you right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.